important book in the Bible, the book of Exodus, and you can turn to chapter 4, the end of chapter 4. And we're going to go through a couple of the chapters today. So we sent out on Facebook this week that if you were uh, on that, you can sign up for that. Helpful to get some of the things we were saying. Basically, we're going to cover like seven chapters today. So hopefully you've had some time to read it. We're going to finish up uh, chapter four and we're going to go right through to chapter 11. So if you haven't, you've got some time this week and just want to reiterate what Gary was saying. What a privilege to be able to uh, take part in helping to the nations. And for us as a church, we've been a long time uh, for many years, not able to really have a venue or a forum to be able to do that. But in this real partnership, now we're able to do that. So what a great opportunity for us to be able to give and uh, with our prayers and also with our finances. And I met uh, Joseph many times now, and he's doing a wonderful work there with the people and the churches there, and very similar to us. So it's great to be able to give to our brothers and sisters. Okay, last week Brent uh, led us off from looking at the life of Moses again and this whole burning bush experience. And if you're here, you remember it's one of the things uh, Moses is kind of famous for. Kind of, He's famous for being found in a basket. And one of the things he's famous for is this burning bush experience where God reveals himself to Moses. God extends this invitation that uh, Brent took a look at last week of inviting him and Moses' hesitation in accepting that invitation. But he finally did. And so we're going to pick up the story of Moses leaving Midian, and he's following God, and God tells him to go to Egypt, and Moses, even through all the excuses, Moses finally gives in, and he says yes to God and God's purposes. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. So I'm going to read it here together. This is the end of chapter 4, and this is where we pick up the dialogue. And the Lord said to Aaron, Moses' brother, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Woo. Chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from the work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. We skip ahead to verse 15. Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? 
No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. So we got a real situation happening here. But Pharaoh said, you are idle, you are lazy, you are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh, and they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever, ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Wow. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you as if you are all leaders, because in reality, you are all leaders. So this message is more like if we are at a leadership conference, it would be like, okay, leaders, but every one of you is a leader, because every one of you has to lead yourself. So that's always the starting point, let alone families and people at work and people at school and sports teams and drama teams and everything that we can go through. And as a leader, following God, we're going to take a look at some things that we hit in following God that are very, very difficult. And one of the things that we're going to find out is that when you obey God, it usually leads to conflict. And we might smash through some sort of maybe false ideas we have about following God, that when we follow God, everything's going to be easy. And if you're a fan of Western movies, we're going to use the good, the bad, and the ugly to get us started. Because here's the good news, and this is what we think. Moses actually obeyed God. So if you remember last week, burning bush, you think, man, if God showed up in a burning bush and God spoke to me and I heard the vo- you know, audible voice of God, I would do anything I would never question again. And yet Moses, you know, I'm not capable, I'm not a good speaker, and Brent went through all the different things, um, you know, ignorance and isolation and all these things, inadequate, insufficient. But Moses finally did say, I'll go. And Moses gained some momentum, doesn't he? Because all of a sudden, his brother Aaron comes, and so he hadn't seen Aaron. Aaron's with him. He tells Aaron, here, Aaron, here's the vision. God's spoken to me. I had this incredible experience with God. Aaron get caught up in the vision, so we've got a team now. They're going to go together. Better to be two than just one. They've got some vision. God's spoken. We're gathering. We've got some unity. They meet with the elders. We have no idea. Remember, they've been in slavery like 400 years. How many, how often the elders of Israel gathered together. But Moses and Aaron call the heads of the families together, and they share the vision. God has spoken. God's here. God's got a plan. God's sending us. And they've got signs and wonders to back it up. So whether they threw the staff down, became a snake, picked it up, back to a staff, hand in, leprous, not leprous, blood, water, water, blood, all these things. And it says, the people saw and they believed. So we're picking up momentum here. And they worship God. Because God has heard our cries. And God's going to act. 
And I kind of picture, now this is me just reading into it, but you can use your imagination a little bit. If you were 400 years in slavery, and all of a sudden a couple guys show up, and Moses is saying, guys, God spoke to me, burning bush, fire, it didn't consume, God spoke, signs and wonders, and then you saw them right in front of you, I would be something like this. I would be worshiping too. And I would say something like this. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine today. Hallelujah. I told Pharaoh, get thee behind. Victory today is... You're not joining in. You're leaving me hanging here, people. You got to join in. Come on, Angela, get clapping. Joy is mine. Hallelujah. Joy is mine. Joy is mine today. Hallelujah. I told Pharaoh, get thee behind. Joy today is mine. That's a little Andy Jones in there. Do you like that, Andy? Hallelujah. God has heard. God's going to act. God's on our side. Let's go. That's the good. We got team. We've got unity. We've got vision. We've got signs and wonders. We've got worship back. And this is what happens. This is the bad. You would think of all times. I'm sure, they, I'm sure Moses and Aaron had a vision of what this was going to look like. And the people. They go to Pharaoh let my people go. God says it. Pharaoh, who is this Lord? You can imagine Pharaoh like, if you got a God, you've been in slavery 400 years, I'm in control. <laughs> who is this Lord? I've never even heard of him. And you can kind of see Moses, verse 3, they're kind of like, but, but the God of Hebrews, he, he told us, he met with us. And they kind of come at it, and this time they say, please. <laughs> And they've kind of gone from a week down to three days. Please, can you let us go? And you're thinking, if there's ever a time, it's like, God, like, okay, where are you? We're, we're doing it. We're obeying you. And Moses says, no. And not only did Pharaoh say no, Pharaoh says, you only want this because you're lazy. So you guys must not be working hard enough if you've got time to come to me and say, hey, we just need a week off for a vacation to go have a festival. And Pharaoh says, no. And not only that, I'm going to make it even worse. I'm going to take away the straw that you were using for bricks. You're going to have the same amount of quota. If you don't do it, I'm going to beat you. And that's what happens. And it gets even worse because you can kind of think, the poor foreman, those guys, they don't understand why Pharaoh's changed his mind, I don't think, at this point. They're like, what is going on? So they skip Moses and Aaron. They go right to Pharaoh themselves, skip the middleman. <laughs> Something's going on here. Pharaoh must not understand what pe- what's going on here. So they go to Pharaoh and they appeal to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, it's your people's fault. Look what they're doing to us. How can you expect this? Expecting mercy from Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, don't blame me. It's your spokespeople that came and said those lying words. So work harder. And they realized that they left. We're in trouble. This is not miscommunication. This is not, you know, a foul up that the, in the chain of command, the order didn't get mixed up. And we're going to meet a pharaoh. We'll get it all sorted. Oh, took away your straw. I didn't know that. Oh, well, I'll give you even more straw. It went from bad 
to worse, and now we're into the ugly. They come out from their meeting, and guess who is out, kind of like coming out of the principal's office, and there's Moses and Aaron sitting there, and they're like, thanks a lot. And they curse Moses and Aaron. Now, victory is mine. Victory is... This is all like in the same day, folks. And they blame Moses and Aaron and say, you brought this upon us. Thanks a lot for showing up. We were better off before you even came. And they turn on them, and we got disappointment and disillusionment, and we've got rejection and blame. And then Moses, <laughs> the good thing is he did turn to God. He's very bold and honest with God, and good thing God's got big shoulders, because Moses he got no one else to blame. He goes to God and says, God, this is your fault. And he blames God. Hey, God, hello? You've done this. Things have gotten even worse. You haven't delivered. You haven't come through on your word like you said you would do. Now, I don't know about you, but I think personally even together as a church, we can sometimes have this mentality that if I obey God, then God owes me to come through for me. And that's a very North American worldview of Christianity. God, if I obey you, then you owe me and you'll come through for me. My way, my timing, for my purposes, for my satisfaction. And whether we realize it or not, at least I'm very much like that. God, if I obey you and I've, you know, okay, I'll try to love my neighbor and I'll try to do all these things, then if I do all that, then victory is mine. And I'll have health and wealth and prosperity because you said if I obey you, live long and prosper. Oh, that was the wrong one, wasn't it? How did Star Trek end up in our Christian worldview? But very much so. And I can share lots of experiences. I can share an experience for our church. Those of you, there are very few of you, who were here at the beginning of this church. We got swept up into a move of God in the mid-90s. God was moving. It was incredible. So we'd walk into a room like this, and we would fall down in the presence of God. It was powerful. It was weird, I know, and you might have heard stories, and, but folks, it was real. And it was incredible. And for many of us, our lives were completely, radically changed. And for many of us, we thought, this is it. Heaven has come to earth. Revival in the land. And we were stoked, and we were pumped, and we thought, this is it. God's going to use us. It's going to be incredible. We're going to change the world. So our church, church started out won't get into all the details, but basically we felt God's with us, God's called us out, God's given us unity, God's given us vision, signs and wonders. Here we go! And in the first two years, we we crashed. We went from like 100 people to 15 people. And I won't get into all the details, but many of us were like, God, what's going on? We're being obedient, we made some tough decisions. We came out of things. God, where you said, you said that, yeah, this is going to be, this is how we're going to go. We've done it. So God, deliver the goods. Where are you? 
painful time. Disappointment, grumbling, and leadership, it's very tough. And Angela and I came to church every Sunday going, well, I wonder who's not going to be here today. <laughs> it's not a good way to come to, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and we had to deal with disappointment, disillusionment, rejection, blame, and turning to God and saying, God, we obeyed you. You haven't come through on your part of the deal. And that's the problem. We think it's a deal. And maybe you are here this morning. Maybe you're a new Christian. You thought, man, I've heard about Jesus. I heard good things. So if I come to Jesus, all my problems will be solved. And we've had many people come, be, receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Incredible. And guess what? Their life got worse from a human perspective. All hell broke loose. And if we're not careful in what we teach about being a follower of Jesus, you can say, what am I, what is this? I was better off before I knew Jesus. At least in the short term. And many of us even, we can even look at, say, the last six months. Some of you I know because you've talked to me. We had our conference in April. Terry was here. We saw signs and wonders, miracles. Incredible. Incredible. Right before our eyes. Right here in this room. Right here. Sharon's right here. She's still living out a miracle. God, healing her. Incredible. And many of us are like, let me just get my hands on anyone I can, and I'm going to pray for them, and God's going to heal. I've got faith. God, you're doing it. You, sh- you brought us into a whole new thing. Sorry, Ollie, I might have made you even worse there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We can recommend Ollie a good physio. <laughs> We stepped out, and we're like, God, you've shown us. You've opened up a whole new season of signs and wonders and healings. And guess what happened? We went out, and we prayed for people, and nobody got healed. And you're like, it's kind of like Moses and Aaron, verse 1. Here we go. Verse 2, people are going, who's this God you're talking about? He doesn't heal today. And you're kind of like, verse 3, but God told us, and we saw, and God said, so we will, won't do the seven-day. We'll pray for the three. We won't pray for your back. We'll pray for the bunion on your foot. You know what I mean? Like, we'll tone it down a bit, and we're like, God, what is going on? And I'm sure you all have examples. God, I obeyed. I heard your voice. And you can tell Moses. Moses is like, God, I told you. I didn't want to do this in the first place. <laughs> and I can relate to that. I'm like, God, I never... I was in phys ed, man. I was enjoying myself with sports. Why did, I, didn't, I told you back then I didn't want to do this. I told you, oh sure, you won the arm wrestle and I finally submit it and like, okay, well then life will go on and you'll take care of me. And then it's heartache after heartache and hardship and you're like, God, I told you. I tried to tell you back. So I don't know if you can relate at all, but I can relate a lot to Mo. That's why I'm saying you as a leader today and following Jesus and leading yourself We have to be very careful we don't have the North American worldview. I follow God and obey, and he'll come through for me in every way. On my time, the way it looks for me, the way I think it should go, for my glory, for my goodness, for my health and prosperity and well-being. Okay, We need to stomp on that worldview because that's not what God's called us to do. 
And God has a way with Moses, and he has a way with me, and he has a way with us, that God will let us come down to a point where we say this, God, I can't do it. God, I thought I heard you. I'm obeying. I'm knowing all I can do. But God, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't speak enough. I can't work hard enough. I can't parent well enough. I can't do I can't share my faith well enough. God, I can't pray well enough. I can't read my Bible well enough. God, I don't know enough. God, I can't be self-sufficient. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I'm, I, and he strips our pride and our self-sufficiency and everything away so that we're left with God, either you do this or it's not going to happen. And folks, that is the most painful yet wonderful experience you can have because it's absolutely humbling and embarrassing. We don't like to be humbled and embarrassed. And the world tells us, come on, you're good enough. You can do it. I'm telling you, you can't do it. So I'm going to break your self-esteem that tries to get built up on you're good enough. You are not good enough. There's a new bumper sticker for you. (laughs) The good news is this. We can have confidence in God. And thankfully, even though we're in conflict, this is what God does. And I'm so grateful. Can I just say this? I'm so grateful for God that he's patient and faithful and loving and kind. Because we look at Moses and we say, man, if we had a burning bush experience, we would never doubt God again. And in one day, he's like, guys, this is where we're going. So like, Lord, it's your fault. And how many times I've had an experience with God and I'm like, God, I will never doubt you again. You're real. I'm sorry for all the times I didn't believe you, but this time, from this point out, you've proven yourself. I know you're real. God, this time, I'm never looking back. I'm with you all the way. I'll do anything for you. I'll take the world. I'm on fire for you, God. No doubt. Full steam ahead. I'm with you. And a day later, God, where are you? You didn't come through. And this is what happens. So we go from Moses saying, Lord, it's your fault you didn't deliver your people. You didn't come through. This is 6 verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, I love this. He didn't even (laughs) rebuke him or anything. The Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. And here we go. Say therefore to the people, I am the Lord! And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. 
and bless Moses. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the answer to conflict is this. It's not to look within yourself and try to stir up some energy to muscle through. Our eyes came through this morning in the prophetic is our eyes. We lift them up to Jesus. We lift them up to God, who is the great I am. This is what we do. We always come back to God, and God reveals himself. Now, if you follow it through, you can get a little bit confused, because he says, you know, I am the Lord, and I didn't reveal this way to Abraham, and you can look at it and say, well, it's the same word that was used back in Genesis. All the commentators say this, the name of God, really, God did reveal that to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the fullness or a different aspect of that name of God is now revealed. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob didn't know God as the deliverer or the redeemer. They weren't in slavery. But now God's saying, I'm revealing my name to you again, and it's a different aspect of my character and my attributes and my activity, and you're going to see a different side of me that you haven't seen before. I am the Lord. I am who I am. I am Yahweh. I am the Lord, and you're going to see a different side to me. Because God reveals himself to us, and he continues to reveal. And you can say, I think that's the same message Brent preached last week. It's exactly the same message. You say, I think one of Brent's points last week was revelation, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's one of the points again this week. God reveals. Because I needed God to reveal himself to me 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 365 days ago, yesterday, today, and I'm going to need him to reveal himself to me tomorrow. Because we're always coming in repentance saying, God, I don't fully understand you. I turn from my own ways, and I want to know you even more. Come and show me more of yourself. Because God is a God who remembers. I made a promise, a covenant I will remember. God is the God who hears and he remembers. I hear the people, I hear the slavery, I hear the groaning. I will not forget them. God is the one who is the great I am. And folks, we need to experience every day more and more the revelation of who God really is. It's not once just to say, well, God revealed himself to me in 94 during the Holy Spirit in Toronto, and that's our story. God revealed himself to me this morning, October the 5th, in worship. Did you know what Jesus, Robin saw a picture of Jesus coming and resting right here? Wow, folks, that's awesome. A little bit weird, but that's awesome. That got my attention. Hope it got yours, because either she's just making that up, and as a lawyer in her personal job, you're not allowed to make things up too much, okay? And Brahman hears from God. So when she says, I'm like, God, you got my attention. I want to see a fuller picture of who you are. We see that God's a faithful God. We see God's heart. We see that God guarantees what is to come. Moving right along. God says eight times, I will. Who will? You or me? The elders? Worship team? Ministry team? Who's going to do it? God says, I will. Because we're going to give all the glory and honor and power and praise to him. 
when he comes through and does what he says he's going to do. God says eight times in two couple of verses, I will. I will bring you out from under the burdens. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. I will bring you into land. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. God will act. And I don't know if this is good grammar. It probably isn't, but this is all I could say. God does God stuff. I was running out of words. God does the stuff that only God can do. God does the stuff that only God can do. And when he does it, and we experience that, we grow in our confidence with God. Because if you read chapter 7 to chapter 11, we just don't have time to get into it. What does God do? God, one by one, he takes out the idols of Egypt. He takes out the little g-gods of Egypt. So you can go through and read the ten plagues. Every one of those things that God did, that was a little g-god, that was an idol that the Egyptians worshipped, and one by one, God takes them out. And God does what only God can do. Can you turn a river into blood? How many people can do that one? Okay, good. I'm glad I don't see any hands on that one. Okay, how many people can send a whole bunch of frogs that fill up the whole nation? How about flies? Mosquitoes? Some say it's lice, lice covered, locusts, anyone? Can anyone? Some people might be able to do that, but can you do it in one section of town but not in another section of town? Can you get rid of them at the same time you said you're going to do it? And you can go through livestock, everything, and God does what God does. And I don't know about you, but if you've read through it, I kind of laugh at the beginning because Pharaoh's magicians and sorcerers and all that, they actually add to the problem in the first couple. I think it's hilarious. Moses and Aaron, the Nile, the water gets turned into blood. The magicians say, we can do that too. So they add even more. <laughs> oh, sure, turn the rest of the water into blood as well. Oh, we can multiply frogs as well. Oh, thanks for adding to the situation. I mean, can they stop it though? Can they reverse it? No. They give up about the third or fourth plague in, they're like, that's the finger of God. We're, at, we're out of here. <laughs> we tap out. We submit. God does God's stuff. And as we see, you can see a transformation in Moses. You've got to remember how desperate he was at the end of chapter 4 and how sometimes we feel that way. And we can turn to God and we can cry out. And we can be honest to God. God can take it. We can blame him. But God says, when you come to the end of yourself, that's when I'm going to start working. <laughs> And Moses at the beginning, he's very, you know, kind of respectful. By the end of it, that guy's got confidence in God. You read from the first plague when he goes before Pharaoh to the end, because at the end, Pharaoh's really mad at him, and Moses gets angry at Pharaoh. It's a great showdown. Pharaoh's like, no. Pharaoh hardened his heart, and he says to Moses, I don't ever want to see you again. And Moses says, you're right, you won't see me again. But before I go, and he pronounces the next thing, I mean, Woo! You're like, Moses, where did you? Chapter 4, chapter 11, it's quite a transformation. But he knows who's doing it. He's not growing in confidence in himself. It's like, oh, now I've become an elegant squeaker. Now things are really changing. I hit rock bottom, and I know I can't do anything. But when I start to see God move, 
I'm going to get behind that, and he's going to get all the credit and all the glory, and I'm going to grow my confidence to God, and I'm going to keep doing what God tells me to do. And whether or not the results come, that's not up to me, but I'm going to keep going. And when I see God begin to work, that gives me more confidence. God's going to work even more. And if we hadn't hit rock bottom, we wouldn't get to being fully confident in God and obeying and doing all the things that God wants us to do. And if we go New Testament, we see this. Jesus is the one that comes and Jesus comes, and what does he say? I've been sent by the Father to do the Father's will, and he's anointed with the Holy Spirit to do good works. And Jesus begins to say these statements that if you know your Old Testament, you kind of go, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I am, that's an interesting statement to be using all over the place. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. I am the gate by which you must come. Before Abraham was, I am. And that's what got him killed, right? It's those statements. They're saying, you're declaring yourself to be like God. Yes, I am. And Jesus is the one who did the God stuff that we couldn't do. How many of you can, how many, can I, can I defeat death? Can you defeat death? Can you defeat the demonic? Can you defeat, defeat Satan and his legion of demons? Can you do that? Can you deliver yourself out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? You can't. We need someone else to do it. And Jesus said, I'm going to do it. And this is what Jesus did. Let me just read off the list. Jesus said, I will bring you out from under the burden of the law. Because he fulfilled the law. Jesus said, I'm going to deliver you from slavery to sin. You're a slave to sin. You're not a free will. You're not a free agent. You're either under God's control or Satan's control. There's no neutral. So I won't get Andy to sing it, but Bob Dylan, when he had his salvation conversion, he wrote the song, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And Jesus said, I will deliver you from slavery to sin. Jesus said, I will redeem you from the kingdom of darkness and I'll bring you into the kingdom of light. Jesus said, I'll take you to be my people. I will be your shepherd. You will be my sheep. Jesus said, I'll be your God. I'll be your elder brother. I won't be ashamed of you. I will bring you into land. I'm going to bring you into a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the Son whom God loves. I will give it to you for a possession. Both now, the kingdom of God is here, and heaven is coming, and it's going to be glorious, and we're going to reign with Christ. We see God do the God stuff, salvation, healing, deliverance, and our confidence grows not in us, but in God, and we keep doing what God wants us to do. Now, our time's going, so this is last thing. I'll just mention it briefly. As we follow God and we're obedient to God, there's going to be conflict, folks. And sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. And our answer is we grow in our confidence in who God is as God reveals himself and we realize God does the God stuff. Now, along the way, as you start to grow in your confidence in God, this is what happened to Moses. There's going to be temptation to compromise what God's called you to do. And as a leader, you're going to be tempted to compromise. 
And we don't have time to read it all through. I'll just read one thing. But four times, Pharaoh tries to bargain with Moses. I think Pharaoh sees what's coming. I'm not going to beat God, but I'm going to try to do the next best thing. I'm going to try to bargain so I can keep a foothold in this whole thing. And four times during the plagues, Pharaoh comes to, know, to Moses and he tries to bargain. 825, he says, go sacrifice to your God here in this land. And Moses says, we can't do it in this land. Our animals will offend you. We've got to go to where God's called us. 828, I will let you go so that you can offer sacrifice to the Lord your God in the desert, but you must not go very far. I want to keep an eye on you. And Moses says, nope, we're going where God's told us to go. 1011, he says, only have the men go and worship the Lord since that's what you've been asking for. So he says, all the men, you can go, but the women and children are going to stay here. And Moses says, nope, everybody, young, old, man, male, female, we're all going because that's what God's told us to do. And then we read the last one, Exodus 10, 24, 25. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, go serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to God. And if you keep reading, Moses says, there won't be one hoof left behind. Because you know what Pharaoh's doing. I'm in control. I'm not going to submit to your God. I'm going to be in control. And on my terms, I'll let you do what you say. And Moses is not going to compromise. And this is a real test for Moses. Because I don't know about you, but if I was a leader like Moses, in 400 years, you've been in slavery. And most recently, it got even worse. The first little hint of daylight that I have that, oh, we can go now? Wouldn't it be tempting to go? Wouldn't it? Like, let's just get out of here, man. We're doing well. Hey, we can leave the animals behind. That's all right, man. We got all, everybody. And folks, whenever you obey God, as there's a conflict and our confidence grows in God, there'll always be Satan somewhere in there wiggling around to have you compromise and not do fully what God's called you to do. And we see that in Jesus' life, didn't we? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, driven into the wilderness, and he was tempted by Satan. And Satan tried to present him shortcuts. You don't have to go to the cross. I'll give you everything. And Jesus is like, no. And folks, there'll be many things that God's called you and I to do, individually, together, even as a church. You can become a Christian, just don't tell anyone. You can become a Christian, but don't get baptized. You can become a Christian, but you don't have to give. You can become a Christian, but you don't have to get involved in a local church. Compromise, 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 compromise. And we have to be like Moses, who took a stand, and he was completely obedient to what God called him to do. Now, in conclusion, folks, here's what we learn from the life of Moses as we go through. And we're going to learn more about the victory that's coming. Brent's going to pick that up next week with the Passover, which points to Jesus. But it's a tough message to say, as you follow Jesus, your life might get worse. Now, on one hand, I don't even want to tell you that because I don't want to scare you 
away. On the other hand, I don't want to set you up for something that's not true and not biblical. As you follow Jesus, you might experience rejection. Your family might reject you. So I'm just giving you a heads up. That could happen. People at work who used to be your friends might turn away from you. You might have been cool and popular. You know what? You might get rejected. It doesn't mean that you're not in the center of God's will and being obedient to Him. But there will be conflict. And folks, for us as a church even, God's given us great vision. God's with us. God's given us a taste of His power in these things. And sometimes we can wonder, God, we thought from the conference on this was going to be it. We thought with this, ask Andrew and Janet, going to PEI, God, you're with us. We've got vision. We've got people. And their first year there, that struggle, that battle of going on, God, I thought we're doing what you asked to do. Why is it so hard? Which makes you question, maybe I'm not in God's will, or maybe I've got the wrong view of what it is to be in the center of God's will. But when we hit rock bottom, we lift our eyes to the only place we can look, and that's God. And we begin to see Him as the great I Am. And we begin to see what God says He'll do. He does the God stuff. And as we see Him do the God stuff, our confidence grows. It's like a resurrection. We had to die. The kernel of seed died. And new life has come when we see that God does what God does. And folks, in that, there'll always be some compromises that come tempting to us to take a shortcut. You don't really have to do that. You don't have to really be radical for God. You don't, that's for other people. That's not for you. And you've got to be like Moses. No! God said, everyone, possessions, and Moses, remember what God told Moses? You're going to take the gold and the silver, you're going to take everything out with you. So if you cheat on this and you take a shortcut, you're going to miss out on the full blessing that God's coming for you. So folks, this morning, wherever you're at, I'm sure something hopefully hit you here this morning that maybe you're in conflict and you need to realize, you know what? Maybe I'm right in the middle of God's will and maybe I need to change my perspective of God owes me. God doesn't owe us anything. He's God. So we need to be obedient whether we think he comes through for us or not. But God's gracious. He does come through. And we can begin to grow in our confidence that God is God. And we can be aware to say no to the compromises that would say you don't have to do fully what God's asked you to do. And we can learn from the life of Moses. We can learn from the life of Jesus, who's the one who came just like Moses. And we can go now with his Holy Spirit in us that allows us to walk through all three of these things to God's glory, to our good, and for the benefit of God's kingdom. Okay, can I pray for you? Let's stand if you're able. Father in heaven, we want to thank you today that you're here by your spirit. We thank you that we can put our hope and trust in you. And God, we just say again today, we run to your arms, Lord. That God, we can't do it on our own. We can't do what you've called us to do on our own strength. God, we can't do the things that only you can do. 
But God, we can have a yes and say, yes, we trust you. So God, I pray, Lord, for every person here this morning. Every person here this morning is a leader, leading themselves and others. And God, I pray for those who were in conflict this morning. I pray for those who maybe are disillusioned and disappointed. God, I pray, Lord, would you lift their heads to see you as the great I am. Lord, that they would hear you say, I will do it. I will, I will, I will, I will. Trust me. Keep following me. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Throw off those things that easily entangle. I've got a race marked out for you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to do it. Hang on. Hold on. Be obedient. Keep trusting in me. I want to reveal myself to you. I want to show you, even in the most desperate times, that I am God. God, that's our prayer here this morning. God, may we grow in our confidence in you. Not in one another, not in ourselves, but in you. And God, I pray for courage to not compromise. God, I pray for courage this morning, Lord, for those who are being baptized, Lord. I pray many others who may be compromised say, I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to identify publicly with Jesus Christ. Or they might have courage to go and do all the things that you say for us to do. God, we pray for that, Lord. We want full obedience, Lord, full blessing for your glory that we might fulfill what you've asked us to do. Lord, I pray for us as a church. Lord, here, Lord, we're called to this city, God, to make a difference, to preach your gospel, to make disciples from here into Atlantic Canada, Canada nations, for your glory, obeying the Great Commission. Help us, Lord. Come by your Spirit, Lord, to keep putting a yes in our heart to follow hard after you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.